2: They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
3: Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by United legend Paul Parker to talk over the Manchester derby and um, yeah, something good to talk about for sure, um, considering um how it could have been um before we start rory's already got in the comments he says good morning boys and you can tell it's going to be hopefully a good show today um definitely one of positivity anyway if you're watching live on youtube or facebook feel free to get your comments in and questions in the in the comments box as well if you're watching the replay say hello feel free to comment we do reply if you're listening back on the audio podcast please be sure to subscribe on the platform you're listening on and leave us a review on there as well uh, Paul, how are you doing? You all right?
1: Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you, Wayne.
3: Good. Have right. a good weekend.
1: Um, yeah, I did as it goes. Yeah. You know, football aside, I mean, I just went I met with a few old schoolmates. That was all really and just spent a bit of time with them after yeah. after the game on Saturday. So, and it made Sunday, you know, Sunday, Sunday afternoon was a tough afternoon. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it there. But at least it, you had a good moment to start it off with. Um, yeah. Yeah, Manchester is red. Manchester United two, Manchester City one. Um, so much to pick through. I guess we'll go from the start, Paul. Um the team selection. When Eric Ten Hag named the team, there were a lot of raised eyebrows. Luke Shaw in at centre back, Fred in midfield, Aaron Wambersaka at right back. I knew, you know, obviously that, that couldn't be helped because of the Dallow injury. But I'm sure people remembered last season against Say Se as Wampusack's lowest moment. Um, but yeah, definitely a few eyebrows, I, I guess, particularly with the selection of Shaw in there. Um, what did you make? I mean, we'll talk about the game and how it all transpired, but I bet when you saw the lineup, you were thinking, well, oh, that's a bit of a risk that he's taken there. Considering that last week when we were talking about what he was going to do, we were sort of. Presuming it was just going to be continuity, the same way that he's, you know, he's he's sort of built um, his team over the last few months, and such so spring a surprise like that, um, did it make you think well, we might be in for an afternoon here?
1: Um, when you look at it as a back four, I was worried about um Mares up against Malaysia. Yeah, that that worried me. Um, but other than that, really, Martinez not playing. Whew, I mean that must have caught every caught everyone out that one. No one would have selected that at all. Yeah. Luke Shaw stepping into there, he, he had to come back in. That's what I thought, and I think 99% of United fans would have thought. But he didn't. Is that with Luke Shaw? If Luke Shaw had come in from the cold into that position, now I think people would have it, it would have, it would have lost it. People would have just gone gone. Yeah. What's going on? You know, it's pushing it too far, but because of Luke Shaw's previous performances in that position and the way he's played it with ease that never really looked stress play now, a lot of people kind of stood with it. And at the end of the day, he was tested, you know, up against, we have to still say the best team in the country. He was pulled, or, you know, you're not going to get pulled around by any other team than City. Yeah. The way they, they, the way they shift about and, Luke Shaw, I can't think of of anything I could say ultra-negative at all, even you look at... No, he he didn't Mm. put a foot wrong. The back four did their job in front of David De Gea because David De Gea didn't have to really make any saves that got United out of trouble. And when we've seen this fixture over the years, and yes, United have got results in some of them, and everyone's jumping up and down and really maybe excessively over the top because they've got saying from City, you know, as much as you you had to enjoy it because it was rare, you would come and you you'll think back about it and you say to yourself, But cool, we had a little bit of luck. We sat deep. We yeah. David De Gea made great saves. Oh, didn't didn't so and so make a great last last challenge yeah. But I have to say that is the most competent performance against City for a long, long time. Yeah. Yes we can talk about creativity, especially more so, you know, once that game kicked off in the second and a half, City looked like they were getting back to yeah. somewhere where they were a few weeks back. But United quelled that storm. Okay. Didn't do a lot going the other way, but stopped, stopped City without really anything last ditch without David De Gea, you know, yeah. doing his bit to keep, keep um United in the game. So, I would say, even though you know, under Oli Oli had those great results at the F he had, this result and performance together is better than it's been for a long, long time. And I mean, I you know <clears throat> said it, and you know, can anyone think of a better performance against City, you know, since Sir Alex since Sir Alex um retired? I I couldn't think of many where United have actually been in the game. Properly been in the game, not sitting on the edge of the box and hoping, hoping that one of the key players is going to go and nick a goal. Yeah. It wasn't that kind of game at all, Wayne. It was everything was all together. You could just see it. There was so much unity, and I just don't mean by the fact of hanging in there, you know, like, like just you know, like every front, everyone just digging in and hoping that they can just get through it. It was there was a belief there, yeah. And, oh and yes, yeah. st- and that stemmed from the way the game started. To be perfectly honest, because. The, the way the way united started was 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 excellent at home and, and straight away decided we're not going to sit back so it was it was perfect from start to finish i would say
3: that that's a great line that it was perfect and i think that's what the point i really is in my notes to start off with was the performance because uh, we have been here on this podcast many times over the last 3 years and we've sort uh, talked about the is this a new low post-Ferguson, we've had to pick the bones out of results like this, but this day was always going to arrive, a day where you could say is this the best that we've seen for 10 years? And you said that you said it there since Sir Alex, but probably even the last couple, I think he lost the last couple of derbies, I think well, we'd already more or less won the title in 2013 and we lost against uh, everyone remembers what happened in the 11-12 season with a 6-1, but then the season before that with the Rooney goal is probably the last time that we've been that proactive against City in, um, in a home game, at least. I know we had a couple of good away games under Ferguson as well. So a similar question was asked versus Spurs. We discussed it, you know, is this the best that we've seen since uh, Fergie? But it does feel a little bit different to that as well. I mean, yeah, I think Spurs were poor on the day, so United really did dominate that game overall. But this, like you said, they came out from the start proactive, dominating themselves, imposing themselves on the game. They were never defensively pushed to the limits, like you just said there. You didn't see the defenders really struggling. In fact, you saw them impressively moving forward and advancing with the ball. Uh, they were good in the first half, and I'm glad that you mentioned that, because everyone's going to talk about the second, but I thought United were really strong in the first. I thought they started really well. Uh, they they showed the ambition, and that was a, a major sort of, I guess, a uh, a thing that we all wanted to see. What were they going to do with this lineup? You know, because they they could be pragmatic with it, but they went out. They were bold. They went to attack. Like you said, City did start well in the second half, and when they scored, you know, you they changed it up. They're obviously going to dominate a lot of the ball, except they've got the players to do that. And I'm left thinking, when when Grealish scores, all right, well, you know, it's obviously gutting when you see your team concede, but then it's like, what are you made of now? What what is this Manchester United team made of? And you could say. Whenever you get a team that's losing at half time and they get to the half time break, you say, All right, well, some of that value is on the manager and his ability to either change it up or inspire them to go out, make a tweak, and inspire them. So a lot of the emphasis was put on the players to come out and react. And yeah, I know he made changes. He, he'd made, we, we could talk about the pole performances at some point, uh, brought off Martial at half time for Anthony. Then he made a brave change in bringing Eriksen off for Garnacho. He's saying, All right, we're going to go and go for this. We get level. We'll talk about Bruno's goal in a, in a bit, but then Garnacho sets up Rashford less than five minutes later. <coughs> a brilliant period of football where we were really sort of impressing ourselves on the game. I mean, that, that's it for me, Paul. And I, we will talk about that controversy in a moment, but let's start the continuing about the performance. United played so well where they allowed City to have the ball, and I know everyone's saying oh City had most of the ball, 60 or 70 70% of possession, but they were allowing them to have it in the deeper areas where they were doing nothing. They were racking up passes, touches on the ball without doing anything. Then when they had the ball, they were, United were proactive, they were bossing the game, they were trying to cut through and they were trying to create chances. In a certain way, it reminded me a little of... Can you remember um, when latter-day Arsenal under Wenger and Ferguson where? they just let Arsenal have the ball. And as soon as United got it back, they you know, seek to find opportunities. It reminded me a little bit of that. I don't know if that's been a little bit too um, kind, but when you look at this sort of last decade, Paul, when you look at the number of performances that United have had, and we've talked about, you've talked about some of the good wins that we've had over City. People have talked about some of the good wins that we've had over Liverpool, even Spurs. But you look at that win and that performance, is that the first time that we've looked at the United team and said, we can see that United team challenging for honours?
1: Oh, with, without a doubt. <clears throat> um, my biggest, over the years, of us you know, us two doing this, I'm always, in the, when they've kind of gone out, like let's talk about the Liverpool game, when um, Liverpool, they beat Liverpool at home. Yeah. Just, and it, it was a great, it was, it was, it was a good win. And that's what it was, it was a good win. And my biggest concern was always, can they raise themselves for the next game? I've got, yeah. you know, I know the next game against Palace is an important one. It's a big game for Palace. But being that being at that Sellers Park and that, they know how big that game is, there's a, there's a, um, I've got that feeling, I've got a belief that this team knows how important that, <clears throat> that game is. It's bigger than the City game now. Because yeah. after going and showing that against City, they know they've got to go to Palace. They've got to win against Palace to go into that game at the at the Emirates. Yeah. Going into that game at the Emirates off the back of a poor performance and a defeat against Crystal Palace totally kills all that work that was done yesterday. Sorry, on Saturday.
2: Yeah.
1: Totally kills it. And but this there's more there's a lot more belief I think on the out on the outside about this team, and I'm sure there's more just as much belief and maybe even more with the team just by that general performance, because they have gone out, they have gone and beaten the, <coughs> the Spurs at Old Trafford. But we have to say, when you look at what Spurs were yesterday, Spurs haven't really, they're flattered to deceive. they're not as good as mm. everyone's talked about, they've nicked results. Where they are now, when you look at them really, it's quite a false position, the way mm. they are. They've got they've got away with things. It was like, in a certain way, a bit like United under Ollie can go to the Etihad, can go and... Score goals on the counter and win it. Then when it comes to games, that maybe on paper and not as big and there's no great drama around them, go and drop silly points. Mm-hmm. And I just think United have got away from that. Are getting away from that. Still a long, long way to go because you still look at it and you know that, that there, there can be improvement. But that's not down to Ten Hag. He needs help with that on that side for for where he wants to go. But there definitely is that belief with everyone that this team can go into the game after and as I always keep saying there's nothing better than going into your next game off of the back back of a a really good performance against a big side an important game you go and deliver that what they delivered on Saturday and they must be feeling good about looking forward to Wednesday.
3: Yeah absolutely a couple of comments before we move on to Bruno Goal Rory says, there was a point in the first half where we played out of a city press in a way that I never thought we were capable of. Yeah, I remember that. The, the passing was um, incredible for that. Um, ben says, I know we've been here before with Ollie, but it does feel different. I was down at 1-0, but the players, I could see in their body language, they were saying, no, we're playing well, keep going. Exactly, that was the thing. Um, and Richie says, we ain't losing to Palace and we ain't losing to Arsenal. We'll get to the, those games in a little while. Um, but yeah, great points, well made there, guys. Um so Bruno, yeah, Bruno scores this goal. Casemiro plays the pass through, Paul. Rashford's chasing it. Akanji's chasing it. The ball's too heavy for Rashford. Um, it, Rashford's definitely offside. Nobody's um, questioning that. The ball runs through to Bruno. Bruno's not offside, and he scores with comfort. Um, obviously, there's outrage from the City aspects they don't know. The rule book is a bit ambiguous. I mean, if you look by the letter of the law, it says... The, the goal should stand, but then it doesn't... Obviously, you know, the black and white of a low book doesn't take into account the movement of the players on the pitch um, or the positions of the players on the pitch because there's one point where it looks where Rashford or Bruno could strike it. I mean, Rashford's never going to take that with his left, but there is a freeze frame in there that you think oh, it looks like either player could strike that ball, so you can see why. I mean, I've had a bit of fun laughing with the City fans because by the letter of the law, the goal stands and they they can't do anything about it after the game. But you would be annoyed if that goal went against you for um, sure. Um where do you stand on it? Obviously, it's one of the most controversial points of, of the season so far. Um and yeah, I, I mean I don't know. As a defender, I'd love to get your opinion on that one.
1: It's not a goal. It can't it can't be a goal. Marcus Rashford has chased the ball down. He's even done a little shimmy on it, like he's trying to block people off to stop him getting because he wanted Bruno. That's how it looked, or he was trying to throw a dummy. That it, sh- it shouldn't, it should never have been, it should never have been allowed.
3: Hmm.
1: In my opinion, not not in a million years should it have been allowed. And if that was against me or anything like that, I'd be going absolute mad, yeah. absolutely mad in that in that situation. And I just think somewhere along the lines, you have got all this rules, but. You need to, a bit of common, just a little bit of common sense and look. And it was there, it should, and if it wasn't given, it would it would die a death. Because of the magnitude of the game, and it it would always be, it would be talked about, but not in the way it is now, because it was given. If it was taken away, everyone would go, we well, yeah, Marcus Rashford, you know, showed you know, looked like he wanted he wanted to get there. He he yeah. he went for the ball. He he didn't stay away, run away from it. He he there he he was virtually affecting. He affected um the defender um,
2: the um he, can,
1: he affected yeah. the kanji without a shadow of a doubt. I think Carl Walker was coming round as well. He definitely affected the defence. He definitely affected the goalkeeper because you could see it. The goalkeeper set himself for Marcus Rashford to take the shot. That's, he'd, already, he'd set himself, because that, that means he's affected the goalkeeper, so he's offside. That's, it's as simple as that. But we have to say that the referees, they've got their own different ideas. With the assistant referee, he put his flag up, when generally you think to yourself, why did he put his flag up? When a lot of times we don't see them put their flags yeah. up, when they virtually, there's like a big collision about to happen. You need them to put flags up because someone's going to get hurt. And just there in that situation... You think yourself so, right he's gonna hold off for this one, he's not gonna put his flag up, he's gonna wait and see the outcome and then he's gonna put his flag up. But he doesn't he does it early, so there's no there's nothing there consistent with the assistant referees when they're gonna flag. That's that, that, that comes into if he doesn't flag, that goes then that goes to VAR, doesn't it? I think that think that's the way it works, or something like that. But if he doesn't flag, that's the reason why they, they flag late, but he couldn't flag quick enough. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really get it. It, it's as far as I'm concerned, it shouldn't have been given. I don't think there'd have been a great argument if it was blown up as offside. But now,
3: to after, yeah.
0: So
1: yeah. So now, but it's been given, so it's going to be talked about because of the magnitude of the game. Yeah. And and that's it. and there's nothing that the players can do about it. The points can't be taken away, but you have to say is that whatever happens, United. If it had worked out and United had come away with a point, everyone would have just been maybe just as happy with that, and just said that United got out, come out of that game without being beaten, because they never deserved to be beaten in that game. They won the game, and you have to look at City and you look at the way United were. Even now, I would say that United slightly edged it. Yeah. In, in, in my in my opinion, doesn't matter how, how well how much City had the ball, it was how. When City decided to step forward, United, then on on not many occasions, they sat back, but they still couldn't break down the back four because of the work being done in before. And when I say the work done before with Casemiro and with Fred, they weren't making, they weren't trying to win the ball, make big tackles, silly tackles, giving away sloppy free kicks. They was making sure they were filling holes. There was yeah. in areas stopping City passing through, but that's, that's what they done. It was the only time they got in behind a hundred for the first time. A hundred percent was when De Bruyne put that ball in for um, the hairband kid to score. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. the only time. That's the only time they, they one time. Now you watch how many times City against everyone else get to that byline and just pull that ball back, or or just hang balls in the air for people to come and attack. It's more. It's more than once. Yeah, and that's the oh, only yeah. time that the only time that United allowed that to happen. And as much as anything, you can make it. Re, you can find out reasons why that happened and put the onus and blame. You have got to turn around sometimes and say that was fantastic play by City, but they had to work so hard for that position. It's a premium position, and they had to work so hard to get there. And that one little lapse, you know. Yeah. Could have could have made a difference, but it's easy to crumble, Wayne, when you go one 0 down against City. Just really? throw your arms out and go. Well, we've done our best. You just think oh, I'll be right? The fans will accept that because we've done so well. And as you said earlier, the players they didn't stop there. They they went and had a go at it. The manager he could have made that substitution, but if the players aren't up to it, if the players are willing to accept that they're going to get beat one one nil at City. And they had a go, and everyone would be happy then the substitution doesn't make a difference but it made a difference because the players wanted something out of the game they yeah. wanted it as many as many times as he wants to make substitutions if those players coming on and the players on the field are not really into it and they're accepting what's in front of them then it doesn't make any difference but because the players are in the right mind they're hungry they want yeah. success they're seeing what's happening there they're feeling the buzz of the fans they they're loving the adulation. They want more. That's why United got themselves back into the game and ended mm. up winning the game.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ben says that was their only shot on target yeah. as well. Um, the Greeley yeah. Shadow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Patrick says, Morning, gents. It's interesting to see. they hearing more, most of former pros' views. My instinctive reaction to seeing the slow-mo was that Rashford was not interfering because he didn't touch it. Doesn't if make any see, difference. Yeah. If the city players felt he was offside, that why they were still chasing. Why were they still chasing? I get the feeling Bruno caught them off guard with his run. I hope that's not a naive question. And, and Ben says, I think VAR always looks when there's a goal. I think what happened, if I'm not mistaken, I haven't seen it. I've seen the um, highlights after coming back from the game. I think the referee awards the goal, and the linesman says no. But because you know VAR comes in when there's a clear and obvious error and obviously there was some contention over, you know, he's obviously judged that Bruno was the onside player, and that's why, they, they. I presume that that's why the goal's been awarded. But it is funny, because I look at Edison's position in you know, Orokanji's, and I look at him and I think, are you better off stopping in that moment? It always reminds me of the, you remember Bartes when he puts his hands up and Di scores? Is Edison better off? It's a, it is a tough question for him. Is he better off preparing for the Rashford one? knowing that Rashford's offside and he can say, well, he's offside. Or is he better off just making sure? And I guess it's that adage of playing to the whistle, especially when the, the rules that are is that ambiguous. Do you know what I mean? It's such a crazy yeah. thing. But
1: that... I mean, he should, he should have been through it. It's, it you, you go to anywhere. You go to a kids game on a Sunday morning and there'll be dads on the line. Everything happened their Boy, But something will happen and the dads will be screaming, play on, play on, play to the whistle. It's it's one of the main shouts on a Sunday morning, kids football. Dad's trying to get the kids to keep going rather than saying that's a foul or this is that and stop and look for the referee. You're meant to keep going. Yes, they should have kept going, but it was blatantly... Offside. Yeah. And they're going to still gonna keep, even though they're knowing their mind is offside, they're, still, they're not just going to suddenly stop and go, <clears throat> We know. You'll you, you, you you'd be annoyed. You'll be frustrated as as playing with someone like that. And a manager would be even more. So you're going to keep going. Marcus Rashford ran towards the ball. He affected him. You don't have to touch it. It's not about touching him. He affected. We've seen so many goals that have been have been not given when with things in the box yeah yeah that one was played that one was there obvious it was in big view it wasn't margins or anything things like that it was there marcus rashford kept running towards if marcus rashford had given up you'd have to question him saying marcus hold a minute you're chasing 10 on the bounce here why have you suddenly stopped? you still got to try and put it in the back of the net and then just to ask a question to them what they're going to do next. Yeah. And that's exactly what he was doing. He was still trying to believe in, thinking himself, I wonder if I can go and score my 10th. And that's what you want from a striker anyway. Yeah. That's what definitely. So he, he did affect, without a of doubt, he affected the goalkeeper, he affected the defender, because there was still, even though maybe not 100%, the defenders were still chasing towards the ball. In yeah. the... In that belief that it might not be offside, Marcus Rashford is. We can't have him running away from us. So,
3: yeah, there you are. Ben says there, if a Kanji ran into Rashford, it would have been given us offside. It's a strange law that will probably mm. get changed yet, but it hasn't um, yet, <laughs> and it benefited United. So, um, and you know, City have benefited from bad offsides. We've <laughs> we've had them cost us before. So it's just the law of the game says, for whatever reason. The, 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 I mean, the lore of the game. It can be interpreted yeah. to the extent that the goal was awarded. So um, you know,
1: sorry, Wayne. I've just seen. Just i am just kind of catching up. On that last one I said that would have been that would have made more sense if a Kanji had just got close to Marcus Rashford and yes, just ran into him, just tripped him up because mm. Marcus Rashford, in theory, is a non-entity because he's offside. Yeah, he's a he's a ghost player. So the game would have stopped and the ref they'd have to bring it back. Kanji wouldn't have got a yellow card because he, he he didn't foul anybody because he was a ghost. Yeah. So the game would have stopped from where Marcus Rashford is offside and bang, it would have gone. Now, it'd be interesting. It's something as obvious as that. How many players are going to start doing that? Just virtually just block someone off. If they're running, like they're going to block them rather than wait, trusting the officials. Yeah. yeah no, that would be, be in my mind because I look at it and someone's two yards behind me. I would know they're offside because we've kept a good line. I'd virtually go back and I would just foul him. Because I know that yeah. I can't get a yellow card because he's irrelevant.
3: <laughs> um, it was an interesting one. Patrick says, what do you make of Wambasaka's performance? I was really impressed with him. Yeah, i will come to that now. So, I do look at a couple of things from the game, Paul. I say that there are areas where we can still improve. Uh, Fred sometimes seems to switch off too late. That the, When De Bruyne gets the space for the goal, that's partly because Fred switched off and he's tracking back and he's just missed him. But then again, you look at that, he said De Bruyne's one of the best midfielders in the world. He prays a player's brilliance for that. You don't always criticise a player for not getting there. Rashford occasionally switched off, not tracking Walker, meaning that he was making recovery runs instead of being better positioned. Um, But again, you can say he's a forward player. They're not conditioned to sort of be that way. And I think really you have to look at those the minor gripes really because you you have to praise the performances defensively. We've already said Luke Shaw was magnificent. He's almost getting to the point where we don't have to say how good Casemiro was. You know, he's he's that brilliant every single week. But like Patrick says, Wan Basaka's is one that we really do have to praise um, because considering where he came from, considering what everyone was saying about him a month ago, even before the the fixture list kept kept back up, it was more a case of. Can he do well in those friendlies, well enough that a club will pay a fee for him in January? And now you're looking at him thinking, all right, well, maybe you want Dalo in afterwards, but maybe you don't, you know, when he comes back. Because Wan-Bissaka was so good on Saturday that he was making impacts up and down the pitch. I mean, remember last year against City, was probably his lowest point for the club because they had him on string. they were His positioning was all over the place. It looked like he was a key reason for why we lost the game. And on on Saturday, it was I think I think it was his best performance for the club. He was so good, and not just that little cameo where he does the sort of dancing around at the end. Uh, sorry, midway through the second half, but it, he was progressing with the ball. He was so solid defensively; he wasn't stretching. We know that he can make last ditch tackles, but he was never really forced into that. He was comfortable, and he played well. Paul, I mean, you you were a fan of wan defensive ability anyway. That's never been in question. His mentality to come back the way that he has and sort of resurrect his career when we all thought he was dead over the last couple of weeks has been remarkable. And am I am I being a bit too optimistic there, looking at his performance on Saturday and saying it was his best for the club? Am I looking at through (sighs) rose tinted glasses and saying?
1: No, 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 you're not. You're not. You're not wine. I think you have to. You would pull it there because of because the quality that he was against. The fact of it's easy for him to be the be seen as the best defender if he's always making big challenges all the yeah. time. You have to talk about him being um being maybe being his best performance by his positional sense. You know, you didn't see him. Yeah. I think there was one challenge I saw he made late on in the game, one of those ones typical of, of where he is, but I think that only happened once. Yeah. Everything else was in front of him. He was on his feet a lot of the time. Yeah. And that tells you that I think now he's actually being coached. Someone's telling him because I mean I watched him play for two seasons at Crystal Palace, seen regular at Crystal Palace, and I looked at him and he was everything. He was a fullback, but he was like he was like he was like the Des Walker of fullbacks. He was yeah. incredible. He's ch- those big slide tackles, those telescopic legs, everything was there. I've got to remember he <clears throat> he was a winger.
3: Yeah,
1: he's a winger who went back to a right back. And he'd done a great job for Palace. I mean, they, they haven't replaced him at Crystal Palace, even though the likes of Joel Ward and Nathaniel Klein are playing there. They haven't replaced him.
3: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> but And then you go through that bit, and you've got to remember, his bad spell still coincides with United's bad spell. Everything about the club was everything. So you can imagine, he was he, was, he went into a, a melting pot of people around him with bad attitudes. Everything was bad. People saying things and maybe got a bit entwined in what was going on, and that got in his head. Then he wasn't playing well. He, he was reading what was being said about him. His confidence was low. Maybe needed an arm put round him, someone to talk to him. And I think this is the first time since he's been there. But he's actually got a manager with him, not a coach. He's got a manager. He's yeah. had coaches with him before. Now he's got somebody. And I've said this quite a few times over the. The last few things I've done in the last week or so, Manchester United have had their first manager since 2013. That's what yeah. they've got now. That's what yeah. they've got now in, in him. He's a, he's a manager. He isn't just there to people telling him who to, who to sign, what to do here. He's, I think he's taken it on board himself. And if, he, if there's a problem, and I think people have already seen that already with something, he will deal with it. And I think he's he's got him and he's talked to him about defending it's great when you make those big tackles. It's no greater feeling being defender. You make those sliding tackles, big block tackles, which seems to have disappeared from the game, by the way. Players are dangling legs now. They're weak. I don't know what. They won't do block tackles anymore. They seem to always want to pull away. Martial done one in the game, and he, he pulled away when with the goalkeeper. He pulled yeah. out of a challenge yeah. with a goalkeeper. Keepers out of his box. Yeah. You challenge a goalkeeper. And in fact you try and you try and go through the goalkeeper because he, when he steps out of work there's nothing there's nothing to protect him. But but I think going back to Wayne Basaki, I think someone's talked to him and when I see that he's a I can remember one big slide tackle, that says a lot to me about how he's moved his game. Everyone keeps saying, Oh, he's rubbish when he goes forward. He's a fullback. Yeah. He's a fullback. We have if you're gonna go and slaughter um what's his name? down the road, that thirty odd miles down the road as a fullback and saying Train, he can't yeah, yeah. yeah, saying he can't defend, but you said oh he's good going forward. You've got to remember that he knocks in ten crosses and maybe only one of them gets headed headed at goal or something. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's the best fullback in the world. When you talk about fullbacks, priorities to defend, help your teammates out, do your job, stop crosses. He does that job really, really well. So you judge him on what he does, on what his job is and there isn't many better than him. On the other side of it, he has stepped forward now. He has improved. So, collectively, his game is better already. He's yeah. a young lad, and he can only get better. And you've got to remember, he's, he is a, a London boy, a South London boy. And when I talk about that's deep South London, it's from Croydon, which is not really. It's just on the, on the peripheral of London so it's a very local, you know, it's yeah. quite a parochial place, Crystal Palace. And I think yeah. every fan who's been to Sellers, Sellers Park will know that. It's a different it's a different feeling of London compared to when you go to all the other grounds. Everyone who lives in that area supports that football club. And it's, you know, when you talk about support, it's mostly the best in London for an atmosphere, really? Sellers Park. And it will be. I'll be there on Wednesday night and I can't wait. I go to yeah. a bit and the atmosphere is going to be great. So Wampasaka is going, for me... Is, is a re- is good at what he does, and because everyone has demoralized him and wants to come out now because everyone's a coach and a manager they they want to tell you all the all the bad bits yeah now if some, <clears throat> someone done that to maybe these people are doing it who have got sons or daughters who play football, and there was somebody who was putting regular stuff out there for everyone to see and disrespecting or demoralizing your child you wouldn't be too happy would you <clears throat> if they were doing that, but yet people are willing to do that. To, we're doing that to Wan Bissaka, but all of a sudden yeah. Dello's stepped forward and now we have to, in a short space of time, you have to figure out who is the better now of the two. Yes, Dallow <clears throat> finished the season well, started this season really well, done well when he played for his country in the World Cup. So it's, it's a diff, it's a difficult position. But you think about Malaysia coming in, look what it's done to Luke Shaw.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. Luke- I mean. Considering a year ago, we we're having a conversation about which one you're going to put in, because the other's playing so poorly, and now it's a completely different kettle of fish. Uh, you know, mentality shift in the in the squad for sure. Uh, Rory says about Juan I was really impressed on Saturday. I just wish that he could cross the ball. Um if he could he would be the best right back in the world. Is that not the remit of the modern day fullback? It's probably the most demanding position on the pitch as an athlete. You need to be up there affecting attacks and get back to defend as well. Yeah, but I also think with Lambert Saka, is like you you were talking earlier about the environment which he's in but you know your crossing abilities it's 70% your ability to cross a ball, but it's 30% dependent on the movement of the players around you. And United have had static players. You know, Ronaldo was in there waiting for crosses. Martial doesn't move for crosses. He doesn't do anything. I, I mean, I don't want to get on his back. He wasn't good. He wasn't good on Saturday, but we'll talk about Wambasaka here. And I know well he's done. And I think that if you put him in an environment where they know that Anthony's always going to cut in to to use his left, Wambasaka's moving down the right. If he can at least get balls into an area and you've got, you know, the let's say Vegos or Rashford coming across, you might have a completely different kind of dynamic of of I, I thought in there was a period under Rollin, it might have been either um I don't know when it was, but there was a, a sort of three or four month period ending the season. It might have been his first season or his second season where his crossing was actually improving. He was getting into areas and he was a little bit more confident with it. And maybe it is and we don't know. We don't know because we've only seen him in for a few games where, you know, there might be a period coming up where you see him more confident in his ability to cross a ball. And well,
1: crossing, crossing is about confidence, really. You're not, <clears throat> Especially the way that everyone was at him. All of a sudden, he knocks one bad one and all of a sudden he says, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. Yeah. You have to remember as well, though, that United are not, not a team that looks to cross the ball all the time anyway. Yeah. they not that kind of team where you knock... Luke Shaw when playing left-back, doesn't cross the ball a lot. Yeah, he gets he, in he, areas. He, he, yeah. But crossing is, crossing, as you mentioned there, you know, everyone goes great cross. Something, there's certain crosses that go in and they flash across the six-yard box or they go in behind people. You know, they're good crosses, great cross. But crosses, generally, only great crosses, good crosses, if there's a connection <clears throat> with one of your teammates. Yeah. And it's very, all you do is you are trying to hit areas. You're not trying to hit men. Very rarely are you try to hit someone on some one specific person. You put balls in areas and that is up to people to find it. So everything you're trying to do is off the back of hoping that someone's in that area. Otherwise, people throw their arms up. What a rubbish cross. There's no one there. But there should have been. And you're told, <coughs> by, excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat. <coughs> you're told by your coach, your manager to hit certain areas. That's yeah. all you're told, and they, you, and they, all, and then one of the other sayings is just put it in there. If there's no one in there, I will make sure that they will get in there next time. Yeah, and, and that's and that's the old that's the old one of the old football adage. If there's yeah. no, just hit that area. Don't worry if you don't see anybody. Your job is just to hit that area when you're in that position, and you know, and then make sure. So <clears throat> Sparky was always the one kept making runs, and Sparky would make runs in certain areas. If we didn't deliver him the ball as Andre Kanchelskis didn't at one time, Sparky just walked up to him and just just virtually put a finger into his face and just told him, when mm. I make that run, don't try and don't check back. Just put yeah. the ball in. And a, a poor early cross is a lot better than a great late cross.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: Simple yeah. as that. So you knock anything in early, even though it's miskicked, it's your wrong foot, it goes in early and it goes behind defenders. That allows anybody to attack it that's a good cross.
3: Absolutely. Um, Patrick says, if Wambasaka's performing like he has in recent games, I can have, have sake his lack of crossing, no problem. Yeah, I guess that's the other thing. If he's doing what he's meant to be doing, like Paul's banging that drum all along. Um, if you check out the slow-mo of the winning goal, who's burst into the penalty box at the top of the screen, yeah. It's, um,
1: really? Um, yeah. That, yeah. That would have been a hell of a run, by the way, for yeah. him to get there. But that is, a, that is a big, that's a lung buster.
3: Yeah. Uh, ben says he's crosses to the far pole, stand up in the for end. Yeah, but he's not the cynical, only one. Cynical. The yeah. Ben, ben likes one for a second. Well, eh? I think he's just joking there. And Roy <laughs> says, we've got a six foot six forward in now. We do need to cross the ball. Yeah, I mean, but I think that's also a case of like, they'll be feeding into him as well from longer balls going forward as well. And they'll be bringing the plane. It's hopefully going to be a dynamic forward who changes the way that we're playing a number of ways for, for a short period of time anyway. Um yeah, just a sort of quick note. We do have a section of the podcast occasionally where we eat humble pie. and I, I just wanted to put this to you, Paul, because um, I think we both talk about the same kind of thing, uh, sing from the same hymn hy- sheet with this. Against Charlton, we were talking about the value of keeping consistency um, with the team. He rotated, I think it was eight players in the end, and Dallow gets injured. Now, obviously, it's something we've discussed at length um, over the year he makes the changes. Um, it wasn't a very convincing performance, but when he makes the subs, we then see the game out. I think it was too strong a performance to say. We we were never at risk of saying, oh, we needed to get away with that. That's why we brought the players on. We were usually more or less in control. But you know the subs did change the game and so us through to the to the uh, semi-finals. But I, I just wanted to bring the point up, really, not really to deliberate on the game as much, but to say... You know, you and I are usually champions of continuity and we did say last week, oh just make a couple of changes and then see the game out. I, I just wanted to say I think they managed that well considering that you know we played so well on Saturday. I think <clears> this is one where we can say, All right, the changes we've probably got to give some of those players a rest, even if it did get the injury with Dallow.
1: But I think that's some um, off the back of that we was was back in that kind of world of where you couldn't really trust the players. As good as the performance was at the weekend, you looked and you thought to yourself, the players who who he might have intended to bring in, they weren't there. You just you couldn't trust them. They they were like bitter and twisted animals before. So to come in and just to to fill a berth and then think, well, I'm not going to play again the weekend in a big game. You know, they wouldn't have cared. That that's what it was. And I think even the fans were expecting that it went, even though. Even though it was, it was always going to be a sellout, there was going to be 70,000 plus there regardless. Yeah. There was still always that, there was, you know, before Ten Hag, there would have been that doubt what, what are these players going to do? I haven't seen them for a few what are they going to be like? Yeah. But that's but that's changing. That is, yeah. that is seriously changing now, back to something that I haven't seen for a long, long time. So now, you know, if that was to arise again at some point or even next season... I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be like. i mostly be like anyone. Well, what's the point in playing him and playing that? Not because I'm into this resting. So it makes a big difference whoever rests. You know, an engine that stays warm is always better than starting one from cold. But I can understand sometimes that there is players that you just think to yourself, Yeah, he, he's a bit different um, body wise and a bit mentally different to him. Yeah, he can step out. So I so I now I can gauge I get that and I think I can gauge it better now because of the whole everything, the DNA of the club has changed dramatically.
3: Yeah. Ben says he was making a joke about the song I used to start the that we used to start the podcast with. Yeah, Martin Buchan, um old Trafford Blues, wasn't it? His crosses to yeah, his crosses to so Far Plus setting up with the Stratford end. Um, I can't get it on online at the moment but I might start the next podcast with it um, Martin Buchan um, if you can get that, it's definitely on YouTube don't leave us now but after the podcast go and check that out um, Stratford End Blues, Martin Buchan um, alright so we'll talk about Palace and Arsenal start with Palace obviously they they were unlucky yesterday to to lose at Chelsea I say unlucky, I mean Chelsea deserved the win but unlucky in that it was narrow and Patrick Vieira was kicking off about it um, but they have had a difficult run of form, haven't they? You know, It's not been a good run of form for them. They've been losing a lot of games and they're out with the cup and everything like that. Um, I guess that makes it a good time for United to go to Sellers Park. I know that they'll be up for it anyway. Like I said, it's a night game as well. But it's, it's probably a good time for us to go there.
1: Oh, without a doubt. <clears throat> I'm trying to think. I've seen them. I saw them lose to Fulham. I was at I was at the Fulham game where Fulham Fulham... Although Fulham took him to the cleaners to be perfectly honest, and very, I very rarely have said that at Crystal Palace at Sellers Park, it's one of the grounds I go to quite a bit. Yeah, I, you know, one I, I generally ask to go there because I, I just love the atmosphere, and it's one of the better grounds to go to, one of the easiest ones to get in and out of to be perfectly honest as well. So that makes makes the job easier. Um, then I saw him play. I saw the Tottenham game. I watched the Tottenham game. Um, First half performance was very good. Capitulated in the second half, totally, totally. Yeah. I don't know what happened there. And then I saw the Southampton game, FA Cup game, again, another poor performance um, from them. Really, they got they get themselves, they get themselves in a really good position and blow it, totally blow it. So there is, they have lost that little bit from what they had um, last season. And even just before the um the break as well. So it is definitely a, a good time to go there. But and you know yourself, Wayne, you know, this kind of game. <clears throat> Manchester United now the talk of everything, they've hit a bit of form. It's at Sellers Park. It's a it's seven forty five, eight o'clock kickoff. I don't know. I should know, but I don't.
3: Eight, I, think. I
1: yeah, I think I, I believe that it, it will will be a different animal because their performance against Chelsea was what Palace <clears throat> what I know what Palace are like. Their biggest problem is about who's going to score their goals. They're still struggling that on scoring goals. They haven't really got an out-and-out centre forward, one that you believe you'd be you'd be concerned about. But their work ethic is is as good as anybody. Um, they've got some very they've got players who can who can do some unbelievable things in Eze, Elise, Elise and obviously Zaha, who's going to want who's going to have a good goal is gonna be up against um Wan Pasaka. Yeah. So that'd be an that'll be an interesting battle, those two. Two friends. Not you know, nothing great about playing your friends. It makes your job sometimes more difficult when you're up against people you know well. So I'm I'm really, really looking forward looking forward to the game.
3: Yeah, um so it's gonna be I mean United are on nine wins in a row that run is gonna end at some point I mean and obviously it's important that as a support base we don't overreact to that um but I guess when it ends is the <laughs> we'll be able to sort of define whether or not United are in in this title race that people are sort of pushing United into prematurely and even I was guilty of it last week saying well if we win against say we're in the conversation but I guess if we win against palace and then if we win against Arsenal you can't avoid the talk that United are in a title race um, because they'll, they'll be squaring it. If, if if Arsenal are in it and there's an advantage over City, then United will definitely be in it by that point. Um, but Arsenal have said that Palace aren't playing well. Arsenal definitely are, and they were very impressive against Spurs yesterday again, especially in the first half. Um, they've got a lot of confidence, the kind of confidence that, you know, that even when they've not been playing well, I know that they were sort of... Um, it was Newcastle they were frustrated against, but other than that, they've they've generally been very good. They've found ways to break teams down. Um, obvi- The obvious point is if United win, they probably can't avoid the talk of being a title race, but how, how difficult do you think that that's going to be um, next Sunday?
1: Next Sunday, of course, is going to be difficult, and it, it is a different Arsenal. Um, have got to remember, 12 months, 18 months ago, maybe even less than that, majority of Arsenal fans wanted Arteta out. Yeah. But they wanted him out. They were <laughs> big time. I live in a an Arsenal Tottenham West Ham area and it was just you know every you, know, you hear everything and you get people's opinions and they wanted him out. They just did they had all these you know they had all these great ideas these Arsenal fans who they should be having there but he's he's gone and worked really hard um, in trying to do what he's doing. He's um we ignited a few players who have, who have been there a while and all of a sudden you look at the way their games have changed and it's been for the improvement of the team as well. You look at Xhaka, different kind of player now for what he was under, um, under the previous manager where you can suddenly see he's showing his form for what he does. When he plays for Switzerland, he's an excellent player. You, start, you you see that now, that he was held back from doing what he was good at by previous managers. He was just a sitter. And I think that showed his frustration come out in his temperament,
2: Yeah,
1: the way it was, even though that's still there, that side, but that makes him as a player. You're seeing the best of Partey now, um, the way he's playing, where before he come along and you think, yourself, is this the man who played for Atletico? And all of a sudden, you're starting to see it now. <clears throat> And Ketier is getting more and more confident now, and you've seen the way he's playing. His his movement is going is going to be a, a little bit of a problem. But you look at the centre halves who could, you know, who are going to play there, you look at one of the three who will be playing now, you'll turn around and say, Well, they there definitely there's more agility in that back four yeah. now, without a shadow of a doubt. So they so they would they wouldn't be phased by that. You look at the midfield and you say <clears throat> You look at creativity in midfield, they've got Odegaard, a wonderful footballer, You know, really appreciating him now, what a good player is, and suddenly realise the politics that Real Madrid cost him, not his ability. Yeah. So um, you can see that they've got themselves an incredible bargain by going to get him. Um, and you look at what he's got around him, and I mentioned the two midfield players he got around him. Those two make a difference to allowing him to play. Zinchenko will get involved in there as well. So it's going to be a real interesting game. This one is a, you know, people would talk about the battles between Man City and Liverpool. And now this is a this is a game that everyone wants to see. People still talk about Manchester United and Arsenal from years ago. The battles there, and it was about that bit, and you now between the two managers and 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 when they went on the park, the personal battles. This game for me re- goes straight back to there. You can keep your Man City. Be Liverpool. That's been fabricated by the media. They've made that one up. Sky are trying to build that, build that one. They can't build it because you know, because it's Manchester United. They're the ones, who, and you add someone with them to make things big. And this game is is going to be the one that that everyone wants to see.
3: Do you fancy United for it?
1: Yeah, oh, without a doubt. I said that before. I I had United and, and my um local um pub. Predictions. I had United to win. I would United to win two one. I've got a correct score. That's six points I've got. Absolute, absolutely. I've never done that before in the game of a Man City game. Never done it. Never, but I've done it in that. I've done it in that game because I just, I just, because so I really felt that they could beat City. I really I think this is their moment where they're going to beat City, and I just felt they could go there. And I, I believe they could. Where before other games is going to be touch and goes about. Them scoring the first goal, and um, United scoring the first goal, I should say, and going on from there, not allowing City to get in front because it could demoralise a few weak-minded players. I don't believe that anymore. these players aren't weak-minded. It's a shame, really, they can't go into the game off the back of the one, yeah. the one on Saturday. That's the real. That's the shame that this game has been put in in the middle of that. But I still believe when you get something like when you get a performance like that at home, and you get. All, again, you get all that surrounded, the adulation of all that. You can't wait for the next game. Yeah. You cannot wait for it. And, and if you're on about going to a ground and getting that same kind of thing, in a, but in a smaller place, you can't beat Sellers Park. You can't beat yeah.
3: it. Traditionally, a good place for United in terms of following as well. Um, yeah. For sure. As well as the controversy that we've had there over the years. But mm. um, I said about that, the better. Um, yeah. So, I, hope, I mean, I think that this has probably been the most optimistic we've ever been on this podcast in terms of where United stand and what their ambitions are moving forward. And I just hope that, you know, next week, you know, if we've got two wins, it'll be even more uh, that that's the case. So we will definitely be here to check it out and hopefully it will be the case. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please um, give us a like and subscribe on YouTube and get your comments in if you're watching the replay as well, because we do reply. If you're listening back on the audio podcast as well, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review on the platform um, you're listed on. We will be back next week to talk about United's two games at Palace and Arsenal. And hopefully we will be talking about them um, in terms of being in a title race. Until then, Manchester, as always, is red. And um, enjoy your derby week, guys, um, with your L